great salesmanship, great leadership, great influence is always about the other person. Most everybody will tell you their biggest concern is price, but it's not. It's never a, a, a price issue. It's a value question. The more you read, the more you're going to grow, assuming, of course, you, you take the information and actually utilize it and put it into action. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Main Street Business, where we get the pleasure of interviewing another Main Street business owner, an influencer that's changed the lives, frankly, of millions. We're excited here today to be talking with Bob Berg, author of Go-Giver and multiple books that have spun off from that. Millions of uh, copies sold, translated into 30 languages. Uh, it's on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated uh, books of all time. And really, his success alliance, his website, his daily impact email, just affecting so many of us that are doing business on Main Street. And uh, I just I just love that. And Bob, thanks for being here with us. I really appreciate you taking a little time to be uh, here and share your thoughts. Oh, my pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thank you. And, you know, before the interview started, folks, I actually uh, was telling Bob what drew me to his message so much was value. Um, and creating value in yourself and that value experience. And I'm going to just throw it out there, Bob. I've really oh, struggled with that as an entrepreneur myself. Like when you start to price your services, price your product, your hourly rate as a tax lawyer, and what am I doing? You, you, you're like, the value proposition gets to be so complicated for me. Is there any way you, how do you simply approach it for someone that's trying to value themselves, their service, their product? How, where do you start? Yeah. So I, I think the uh, the um, important thing is to kind of define the difference between price and value. OK, because mm -hmm. price or, or what is charged uh, is a dollar figure, a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person that they will willingly um, exchange their their money for it and be glad they did uh, while you make a very healthy profit? Mm. And let's let's use an example okay. of someone who has and we'll go very basic here, a, a bookkeeping service. As opposed to a tax Boy, account you're, or you're whatever. You're speaking so, my language. So like let's it. go. Yeah, <laughs> but we're, we're just gonna we'll just talk about a, a, a bookkeeper and okay. and this bookkeeper, this bookkeeping service. Uh, she, uh, you, a uh, person hires her to to uh, do their books, uh, make sure to have them protected for tax reasons and and all the other reasons. Well, so she charges, and we're gonna just say five thousand uh, dollars. That is her 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 fee, literally her price. Okay. But what value does she um, does she give? What value does she provide for that? Well, through her her years of experience, her um, her desire to get to know you, your business, you know, its inner workings, what you're looking to accomplish. She's able to to create a system and, and do the work that helps you eventually save uh, or I said she charges you five thousand dollars. I meant she charges you a thousand dollars, okay, for the service. But she, with every all the work she does, she's able to save you five thousand dollars, or the person who hires them five five thousand dollars. She mm -hmm. saves them countless hours of time, 
right? Because she's doing that work. She also helps provide them with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So what she did is her, she, she give, gave her client well over $5,000 in totally use value, right? Uh, in exchange for a thousand dollar fee or price, she gave more in value than she took in payment. Uh, and this is key because a very basic law of economics says the end of human nature says that people will exchange their money for that, which they feel is of greater value than that for which they exchanged. Right. So in other words, they're exchanging a thousand dollars cash value in exchange for well over $5,000 in use value. So they profit because they receive more than they paid, but our bookkeeper also profited because to her, it was worth it to charge a thousand dollars in exchange for her energy, her knowledge, her time, her caring, her everything uh, that she did. So in any free market based exchange, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else. In any market based exchange like this, there should always be two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. So now in in decide in pricing your services you need to first have that understanding of the true value that you're providing that other human being now you can never charge more than what they're receiving right in mm-hmm. value but you but you can charge what you charge providing you're giving them much more in value than what they're paying now you'll say well what about your competitors well, sure. The, that's what a free market also does. It creates downward pricing pressure. But we don't want to be that the the low cost alternative. When you you know when you when 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 low price is your unique selling proposition, that's not a good way to do business. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's not it's not rewarding. It's not productive, and it's it's not profitable, and it's certainly not sustainable. Yeah, but when no, you sell, well, should she charge more than a thousand then? Or it, it depends. It, it depends. Uh, she's not charging $1,000 out of charity. She's charging $1,000 because she feels that that is what she is most like, that that's the optimum price for what she is receiving now, uh, you know, for what she is for what she is is giving. Uh, if she felt that she could charge 1500 and she's still giving much more than $5,000 in value, then she should charge that. But there's always other things to, to keep in mind. Uh, again, what is your competition charging? And again, you you you. You shouldn't charge based on what your competition is charging, but that's also uh, that's also something that you have to consider. It's a factor. When you sell on low price, you're a commodity. When you sell Mm -hmm. on high value, you're a resource. But that's why it's so important to not only understand the true value that you're providing. Okay, it's it's important to be able to communicate that value. But where a lot of people, I think, make a mistake is they believe, Mark, that communicating their value is based on what they say. It's really not. It's based on the the effectiveness of your discovery with that person. It's discovering their needs, their wants, their desires. Right. And, and then that's, be- and that's at the beginning of the proposition. I And you teach Absolutely. so much about this. So, we, OK. And this is where people struggle. They're like, I don't know if I can say that they have imposter syndrome or they're like, I, I don't know. Maybe they don't even know what their value. But if I hear what you're saying is you're asking questions of your customer rather than just 
blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Because they've got to be the ones that understand that, that value that's communicated, but it's, it's much easier to communicate your value when first you've asked the questions so that you know what it is they need, want, and desire. Remember, as human beings, we tend to think that everybody sees the world basically the same <laughs> way we see the world, uh, which makes sense. How, how else could it be? It's all we know. But it's also not true. Different people value different things differently. Ooh, and can, so, Can I throw an example on this bookkeeper one? Because sure. I heard this once previously um, in another uh, training. It's funny you bring up the bookkeeping one, and now it comes back to me. Um, so let's say you're the bookkeeper. And I'm, I'm interviewing this customer and I say, I'm normally a thousand dollars. I, you know, and you can say, I think that I'm going to provide far more value than that $5,000 in savings. You can hear about this, but, but, but dear customer, tell me what concerns you the most. Like, what do you want out of your bookkeeper? And they say, you know what? I don't care if you save me time or money, or I don't care about all that other stuff. I just want my books at the, on the second day of every month for the prior month. I just want it on this date. I don't care about anything else. That's what's important to me. And I think as a bookkeeper, sometimes because I've been a bookkeeper, you're like, really? That's what's most important? That's what's most important to me. Well, that's a little outside my norm. If that's what's really important to you, then that'll provide a ton of value. I'll charge $1,500, but I'll deliver. And I don't know. I mean, is that where the point of being able to increase your price comes in when you identify the value? Or how do you? I don't if know. If that's if that's going to be worth it to that person. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I think that if you say, well, my fee's twelve hundred, but if you want it on the second of the month and it's fifteen hundred, I don't think that's necessarily uh, something that's going to be very <laughs> persuasive in their mind. Okay. Uh, so I don't I, I don't think you necessarily set the fee, uh, you know, uh, talk about the fee at that point. I think you need to find out first what it is that person wants. And I'm, and I'm not saying you should have different fees for different people unless doing that is going to be a hardship on you that takes extra time. That's more of a premium client. Okay. And that's fine. So, so I think it's, it's always got to work out best, obviously for both people. All right. Um, And that's how we always need to approach it. But if this person needs something from you, that's above and beyond what you would normally do, I would expect that you would probably charge higher for that. Uh, But you've got to be able to justify it in that, in that person's mind. But again, you find that out by asking questions, not assuming that you know what they want. I think you bring up a great example because let's say this bookkeeper, uh, to them, timeliness isn't as much of an issue. Yeah. So they assume, well, that's an issue. That's not an issue to the other person, or they might, they might be very much a price conscious person. And so as far as they're concerned, all my prospective clients care about is price. Right. And so what they always try to do is is sell on the lowest price. But that's not usually, um, you know, for those rare people, it is. But those people probably aren't the ones you really want to do business with anyway. But, um, you know, all things being equal. But but it's by asking those questions that they will tell you how to serve them. They'll tell you how to help sell them. And that's why it's so important to do that. I love this. And, you know, I, I, of course, you know, I'm a tax and legal guy. So you may have very well chosen the bookkeeper example just to stroke my ego because I love bookkeeping. I'm, I'm a dork, but I, okay, let's stay with this for a minute. Cause in one of your concepts you teach, which I love is how does a person add value to others without costing more money right. and mm-hmm. become a competitive? So let's stay with the bookkeeper. Let's say that they find out all their customers are worried about price, which kind of in bookkeeping is a common thing. People see bookkeeping as a commodity. So 
How would you change that bookkeeper's approach to branding themselves or their business or their value? Just off the cuff. I mean, I don't, if you don't mind, like what you would you'd say, bookkeeper, you got to change the way you're approaching this because you're going to get sucked into this commodity world. What, yeah, what and, you, you do? And, and you will if you buy into, into an idea that everybody's biggest concern is price. First, mm-hmm. most everybody will tell you their biggest concern is price, mm-hmm. but it's not. Okay. Okay. And, I like you know, I mean, personally, if I'm going to have, you know, brain surgery done on me, I'm not shopping for the lowest price surgeon. Okay. Now I'm going to say, well, but this isn't brain surgery. Well, it's still pretty darn important. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, so, you know, people say price, but typically, and my, I remember my friend art subject told, you know, taught me this. He said, uh, you know, typically it's, it's never a, a price issue. It's a value question. So if you're, able to give them what it is they really need, want, and desire, then price isn't going to be an issue and your competition isn't going to be an issue. But again, I I, I go back to the only way you can know this is to ask questions and and truly listen. Now, there's another thing too, and I I learned this from a gentleman by the name of Richard Wildman, who works with with, um, uh, financial advisors uh, who target high net worth um, clientele. And, you know, Richard says, call up several of your your most loyal clients, the ones who do business with you all the time, the ones who refer you to others, the ones who uh, are what I call your personal walking ambassadors. You have coffee or have lunch with them. You know, try not to do it on on the phone or Zoom, but if you have to, you have to, and that's okay. But if you can, meet with them in person and ask them, what it is about you that they find to be of most value, the reason why they talk you up, the reason why they tell others about you, the reason why they're such a loyal client. And again, this goes back to our our seeing the world in our own way, because they're going to tell you things about the value you provide them that you hadn't thought of, because remember, you don't see the world their way. And so because of this, what it's going to do is it's going to give you a much wider recognition of what you provide over and above the price you charge. And you're also going to be able to, in your discovery, ask the kind of questions that will bring some of these answers out in others that remember, they don't necessarily know because they don't know your business like you know your business. I love it. Okay. Now I want to talk about, if I could, if you'll give me a lot to your business, because I love this daily impact email. Now, I, I do an email every week, and I'll tell you, it's hard to find something fresh, at least to me, you know, without recycling a topic yeah, I did two sure. years ago or something. But what you're doing, and, and I have a lot of clients who are like, hey, I need to provide more value. I got to get people drinking my Kool-Aid. I want to do a weekly newsletter or a monthly newsletter. And I try to do the same. And I I was talking to a client this last week that was just, when I said, are you ready to do your monthly newsletter? They were just like, oh, like, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do it. And, and Bob, you're doing it daily. What can you, sh- what's your, I mean, tell us maybe why you're doing it. And then of course, how you do it. How do you come up with cutting edge, fresh things every day? Yeah. Well, so I, the reason I do it is it's probably my best marketing vehicle. Um, because, um, you know, people are seeing me every day 
and getting a message, assuming they like it, or or I would guess they would they would unsubscribe. So assuming they <laughs> like it, it's a message that you know is is providing is it's helping the know, like, and trust uh, with me. And if you notice at the bottom of it, we always have a promotion about something. You know, whether it's the endless referrals program, whether it's the uh, Go Giver Success Alliance, or one of our Beyond the Mastermind um, two day events. So we always have something that we're advertising on the bottom, but it's understated. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's not in your face type of thing, but they see it. Um, so it's a great marketing tool for me as far as, as it being fresh, you know, I've been doing this for so long that I've had, I have hundreds and hundreds of articles already written that I've done throughout the years. And so what I, what I did with this is I just kind of edited them, edited them into a constant format. So if you notice, I always have within the, um, within the, the, the emails, uh, there's always the, you know, the key point. Uh, Or then there's something like important thought, you know, it's today's exercise or something like that. So I took the articles that I already had, uh, which is something close to 400 of them and, um, and just, you know, reformatted them a little bit and, uh, and so forth. Well, you know what you need? You really just need a big wall of books. You know, something you could turn to if needed. Right, exactly. Uh, I always are- tell people my 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 house is comprised of books with some scattered furniture. <laughs> I love it. I love I have a library in my house. It's like my that's been my dream. Some of us old guys, and I'm not saying you're old, but me, you know, I'm I am. <laughs> we, I actually appreciate paper. I love paper yeah. and I have a paper calendar and I still do the Google calendar thing, but I love mm-hmm. the paper for those on listening on the podcast version of this. Um, Bob's background is just, he's got a big library behind him and, <laughs> and I just love it. Um, you know, I'm going to ask you about that. Why you, you love books. Tell me, tell me why, like, I, I do. mean, do you do the ebook thing? You're like, no, I gotta have that. Uh, paper. No, I don't no, I'm a, I'm a paper, you know, but regular traditional book guy, I'm 65. And I, I, that's not an excuse because there's many people my age who, you know, are, are able to adapt and have the Kindles and all that, but nah, not me. I like to feel the book. I like to smell the book. I like to write in the book and, you know, do all the things. So it's just me, you know. Do you ever collect books? Do you have any good, some oldies that you really like? Do you go to the uh, old bookstores and get someone? Not, not that many, but something like, uh, Peace, Power, and Plenty. This is an original edition from Morrison Sweat and Barden, written in 1910. In fact, I I wouldn't even write in the in the pages on the book. I just took notes on the sticky notes. Oh, I love uh, it. Yeah, because it's just you know it's an old version, and I have a um, Think and Grow Rich. I think this is a first edition. Oh, that is super cool. How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is a a, a first edition, and it's even got a newspaper article about it uh, on about Dale Carnegie on on it. Oh, I love and it. This is in the news. This newspaper. It's dated. Uh, it's a Rochester Times Evening Edition, and it's dated. Uh, oh, I'm not finding the date, and I don't want to take up too much time, so I no. apologize. But it's no. uh, uh, it's well, actually, in the the. Um, uh, now, yeah, 1930, Simon and Schuster, 1937. So it says it wow, right there. Man. And it looks wow. like the newspaper copy is, is from about that age that as well. Awesome. So, yeah. You know, I just think we, we need to read more as a society. We do. I, I mean, I'd love to get your thought on that. It just, everybody's on their Twitter feed. If it's not less than four sentences, I'm on. You know, yeah. six and on. I mean, just snuggling up to a book and, and something that's been written. It, I, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of young people too think if it was written over 20 years ago, it doesn't have value. 
or there's uh, nothing there. Is that nuts? Are, it, it is. It's really unfortunate. You think about the, um, you know, the the books from the Stoics, uh, which are written, you know, a couple thousand years ago, twenty five hundred years ago, and that's some of the wisest information uh, you can ever read. Uh, you know, uh, I love it. Aurelius and Epictetus and Seneca and 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 the gang. You know what they what they put together twenty five hundred years ago or so is is just as just as valid today i mean you read it and you say holy cow how did they know this wow. stuff and you know so well let's bring it around maybe this will be a final point here is you talk so much about having influence on others do you think your your education being well read and studying helps you in the influence you hope to have on others i what do you see a correlation there what are your thoughts on that Sure. I mean, you know, the, the more you read, the more you're going to grow, assuming, of course, you you take the information and actually utilize it and put it into action. But you know, I was a horrible student in school. I barely graduated high school. In oh, fact, it's funny, on, on graduation day, as we were leaving the ceremony, I remember I, I came across my guidance counselor and he said, Berg, I can't believe I'm actually seeing you here today. <laughs> And he was a nice guy. I mean, he wasn't one of these people who, you know, tries to keep people. No, I mean, I, I don't blame him. Yeah. I, you know, he, he did the best he could, but I just was not into school and I was out more than I was there. And, uh, you know, college, I, I finally, after taking a couple of years off after high school, I got into college, uh, I got in on academic probation and I'm pretty sure I graduated graduated on academic probation if such a thing is, <laughs> exists. But yeah. it was after I got, you know, I just had no respect for the whole thing, which I, I regret that now, of course, uh, because the idea is to learn how to learn. It doesn't matter what, you know, specifically. Yeah. But um, but it was once I got into sales, that's uh, when my education started. That's when my love of books. And the funny thing is my dad, who was self-educated, I mean, he grew up in the, you know, the uh, the. Um, the you know americana immigrant tenement slums and self-educated and and was reading all the time all the time so i had a great example i just didn't didn't really other than reading sports when i was a kid i, I didn't care about reading anything else and so when i got into sales uh, in my mid-20s that's when my education began uh, because not only was i reading books on how to sell I started recognizing that it was the personal development that was the key. And that's when I started getting the books, the the Carnegie books and the thinking real rich and the psycho cybernetics and as a man thinketh and well, you know, all the, oh, yeah, the yeah. classics of the sales and personal development field. That's when my education really started. Well, it's, it's interesting. you you bring that up to the first business book. If someone said, I remember the first fiction book I actually read that a teacher didn't make me read in school. <laughs> I still remember a couple of those fiction books, but the first business book that I ever remember reading, it was in my twenties. That was like, Oh, wow. This is what a business book's all about. It was, um, how to win friends and influence people. What you yeah. held up there. Yeah. And I was just, Wow. And, and the stories were, were still old, you know, there, he had these kind of stories that are, you know, almost depression era, you know, and, yeah, and uh, industrial age and, and, mm -hmm. it, but they were so poignant and so special. Oh, and absolutely. They're timeless. Timeless. They sure are. Wow. Well, any, you know, I'm going to just say, how can last tip, you got a business owner on main street, America, you get to have a cup of coffee with them and you're walking away and they go, Bob, how can I, have more influence and create more value in my 
proposition. I'm in my whatever small business. I'm just trying. I don't know. What do you pat them on the back and say? What's that? I don't know. I think I, I would probably share something that a, an old mentor from, gosh, almost 40 years ago said to me. Um, it was when I was in the midst of a, a sales slump and uh, I was I was really focused on just getting out of the slump and making the sale as opposed to to serving my my customers, which mm-hmm. is where my focus should have been. And he saw that and he he said, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Then he said, now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Your target is serving others. That's and, you know, that's that's really, I think, more than anything, Mark, where it hit me that great salesmanship is never, and we can say leadership or influence, however you want to say it, is never about the salesperson. It's never about the leader. Uh, it's never about the product or service, as important as those are. Great salesmanship, great leadership, great influence is always about the other person. It's about those people whose lives you want to add value to. We could actually even, I think, go further and say it's about another person's life being better just because you are part of it. And I think that when we can approach life, leadership, sales, influence from that foundational premise, I think then we're really nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game. That hit me there. I filled up a page of notes myself. People, if you're not taking notes during this uh, viewing on YouTube or podcast on your portal, uh, you need to re-listen to this with a yellow pad in front of you. There, Bob, you threw out so many golden nuggets there. And thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you for being here and sharing those cool books off your shelf. I could see those meant a lot to you. And we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Okay. Oh, and let me say, everybody, get, get over to Berg.com, sign up for the daily impact email, see what those messages are all about. So, so important that you make this message that Bob's sharing a part of your life and it will be better because Bob's in your life. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mine's better. Thank, thanks again, Bob. Thank you.